You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 70. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Today is a pretty fun episode because it is actually a pre-recording that I did with my friend Jackie. Jackie's been on the show a few other times in the past. We just love getting together and having girl chats, and it's always a good time. And she actually interviewed me for her podcast, the Better and Leather podcast, and is being so kind and letting me use this audio for this podcast. And and in this episode, we just talk about singleness and dating and relationships. And I thought this was going to be the perfect episode to use since Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And I just think for anybody that might be going through a season of singleness or they're currently in that season of dating and just trying to figure out what they're doing and how to navigate all of that craziness. I remember that time of life so well uh, and so vividly. And so I am just giving you guys some of my best advice um, from my perspective since Jackie was interviewing me. A lot of questions she asked had to do with previous relationships. So it's really a good girl chat deep dive episode into some kind of personal interesting stuff that maybe you've never heard me talk about before. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and here we go. Hey there, my name is Sarah Elrod and you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl podcast where we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. I'm a cowgirl turned full-time entrepreneur. I've done everything from wedding photography to horse training, business coaching, and more. My mission is to help other Western women and men grow thriving businesses so that they can live out that small town dream life that they love while achieving bigger goals than they ever could have imagined. If you're ready to put in the work, grow your business, grow your brand, and enjoy the little things in life, and of course, get a little rowdy too, then you are in the right place, my friend. Let's do this. I never really considered myself a girly girl. Like, sure, I like to dress up from time to time, but my average everyday look tends to just be jeans and old t-shirt mixed with a baseball hat or a messy bun. And living the kind of lifestyle that we live, being on trend with the world just can't really be a priority. But I do enjoy looking cute while riding horses or working cows or just running to the grocery store. But the biggest problem for me was I didn't know where to shop to find clothes that felt like me. Clothes that were tough for daily ranch life, but also cute enough to make a Western fashion statement. If you know what I'm saying, ladies. Well, if you're anything like me, then I have the solution. Farm Girl Boutique offers stylish and affordable Western fashion that is perfect for the day-to-day workloads or a night out on the town. And Farm Girl has more than just clothing for men, women, and children. They also have accessories, bath and beauty products, farm and garden supplies, home decor, gifts, footwear, and more. This boutique is a one-stop shop for everyone in the family. If you want to check out all that Farm Girl Boutique has to offer in-store, you can head to Farm Girl Boutique com or sarahelrod.com slash farmgirl and use code Sarah E 10 in all caps to save 10% on your next purchase. That's farmgirlboutique.com and use code Sarah E as in Elrod 10 at checkout. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I have you on my podcast now. I was just on yours. I know. This is so fun. I love that. Like we both get to do this and like share this with each other. It's so fun. I know real life friends. Well, I know that you're like newer to obviously my podcast and my platform. So you introduce yourself this time and tell me about like your biz and all the things. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Um, well, my name is Sarah. Elrod now. Oh, she's an Elrod now. She's a married (laughs) woman. I know. It's still really weird to like say that out loud. Um, But yes, um, I am freshly married as of this recording. And let's see. Shout out to Tyler. I am a Western wedding photographer like Jackie. I do all kinds of weddings in like Northern California and Northern Nevada and kind of just wherever the love stories bring me. And I teach business education to other photographers and other Western industry peeps. And um, I have a podcast of my own called the Branded Cowgirl Podcast. AA, check it out. <laughs> and, shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. Um, but yeah, I that's that's pretty much a good little gist of what I do. 
I love it. And um, if you guys haven't heard the branded cowgirl, definitely go and check Sarah out because I love it. And I've been on it a few times, you know, so you could hear me on hers and her on mine. You know, yeah. it's a thing. Yes, it's a thing. We're, we're making this a thing. <laughs> no, so Sarah and I honestly just wanted to get on because we are real life friends and photographer friends. So we thought that we could just have a casual conversation today and just go into real life stuff and my dating extravaganzas and all the things. Cause people seem to find that quite entertaining. <laughs> I, I first want to know what it's like being a married woman, Sarah. It is. I mean, I feel like so many people have asked me that since the wedding, like, how's it feel being married? And like, on one hand, I'm like, I mean, it's not that different, I guess. Like, and you know, it's, it's different, but it's not at the same time. Like when you're in the rush of like the wedding's all fresh and new and you know, it definitely feels different, but once you kind of sink back into normal, like life, it's just, okay, we're married. Like we did the thing here we are. Um, but at the same time, it's totally different in the sense of now your lives are like really merging together and you're just like changing. My name has been weird and just putting finances together and just all kinds of different things has just been kind of like a totally different process. Um, but it is super different. I've found like as a person of faith, like it's probably one of the holiest things I've ever done and like not to get like super sappy, but it really is just like something, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, you just feel different, I guess. And I feel so much more like at peace and like calm in life. And I don't know if it's just because you're married now and you're like, all right, well, I'm with you forever. Like <laughs> things just settle down, but it's, I just, I feel it's very cool to get like fat now. And <laughs> yeah, right. I can just like not take care of myself. I'm not wearing makeup today. Like <laughs> here we are, but no, I mean, it, 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 like, I just feel very much at peace with like where I'm at as like an old hag now. No, <laughs> an old, an old. <laughs> I, so in comparison to being single, what do you think like the biggest thing is, is it just the peace concept for me? Yes. Um, I mean, it's as a single person, like you are, you, I feel like you go through these phases where, I mean, it's just you. So you're really trying to just take care of yourself and it's kind of all about your own like self-development and what's going to make you happy and doing things that are, are going to help you grow. And that's all really important stuff. And I think like everybody needs to go through that season, but then when you're married, it's almost like it completely flips and like, you just really, and not in like a bad way where you like, don't care about yourself anymore, but you just, you don't care about yourself as much as you care about the person that you're with. Like you want you would rather see them happy and like their happiness makes you happy. Like, it's not like you're just losing yourself and like whatever makes them happy and you just ignore yourself, but it's like one would hope. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Those relationships, but you got, you got yourself real lucky, my friend. Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously there's like bad situations. I, I understand that like, it's not always like this, but I mean, for me, it's been just my, hopes and dreams have really like poured into like, what, what does Tyler want? And like, I feel like our dreams have really like blended together, which has been cool to watch, but just, I don't know. I just find myself thinking like, what can I do to make Tyler happy today? Cause if Tyler comes home happy from work, then like, that'll make me happy. And so you just, I don't know. It's like very, like when I go back to saying it was like, holy, it just makes you, I feel like really selfless. And I definitely went through phases as a single person where I was just like, all about myself. And I think there's a good season for that. Like there, there's a time and place for that, but like, it's just been like a totally different experience. It's, it's kind of funny to watch yourself like shift, I guess. Yeah. When, when did that happen for you? When did that shift begin? Um, I mean, I mean, like, I feel like we started to shift obviously just after, you know, being engaged and just being together for like several years, like you do slowly start to just care more about that other person, but I don't know what it was. Cause like, I really thought like, okay, we're going to get married and yes, that's different, but I, I didn't think it would feel, you know, I didn't think that much would change as far as that goes, but something like triggered in my brain. Like as soon as we <laughs> got married, I was just like, whoop, all of a sudden, like Tyler, he's my husband, like very family oriented. Like all of a sudden I just got really I don't know. I just like it. Like she wants babies. It she just, wants but yeah, it just <laughs> flew through my veins. All of a sudden I became very maternal. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. Well, that is the next step after all. 
I know, which is kind of weird because sometimes I still feel like I'm 16. (laughs) I don't think that that's ever something that really changes. Like I was talking to my friend about this the other day saying that I kind of feel the same way you do that. I'm still sort of, I don't know if I really got past the age, like 14, 15. I feel like my like mental (laughs) space is like still kind of there. And I like know I'm getting older, but also there's this part of me that's like rejecting getting older and like doesn't want to, and kind of like, it, it's like this false belief that I'm like young forever kind of thing. And I don't think that changes until you're like, I don't know when that changes. Is it like after you have kids? Is it like in your thirties? Like when does that change? I think it just depends on like the person and like the type of person you are too. Cause I mean, it's funny because like I'm 25 as we record this, but like I'll meet an 18 year old and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like we're basically the same age. Like that's cool. We could hang out. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like seven years older than you. Like (laughs) it just like really throws me for a loop. And like, not that we couldn't hang out still, but I'm just like, man, I still mentally feel like I am just 18, like thriving, you know, young adult type of thing. And obviously I'm still like a young adult, but it's just, I'm in my mid twenties, you know, it's just crazy to think that we're not on the same level, me and an 18 year old. It's just, it's weird. But, um, but like my mom, she is, I mean, I won't say her age cause she wouldn't want me to do that, but she's, you know, <laughs> not 30 anymore. And, but she still feels 30. Like she is still like, let's go dancing. Let's go do this. Let's go out. Like, let's go have fun. Whereas like my dad is more of like, that ain't me. I don't want it. I don't want it. (laughs) Yeah. My dad's definitely settling into like his older age and he's just like, yeah, I'm ready to just be retired and hang out and not do a lot. And I feel like my mom is still mentally like, yeah, let's go, go, go fun. Yay. Like so it's just he funny. wants to buy a boat and sit on the beach and <laughs> do a whole lot of nothing. I don't blame him. I'm sure that once we get up into our whatever the proper retiring age is, what like 65. I don't really know what the proper retiring age is, but I think once we get up there, I'm sure all of us will be kind of checked out. I'll be done working too. I'll be like, let's go vacation. Let's go to Aruba. Let's yeah, <laughs> like, it's time to just chill <laughs> for sure and do, and do absolutely nothing. Okay, well. I want to backtrack a little bit because I want to talk a little bit more about like when you were single, if you Mm -hmm. feel comfortable sharing that kind of like what that was like for you and how you knew that Tyler was something like unique and different for you and how you felt like he would fit into your life. Yeah. Um, so my season of singleness is kind of weird, I guess, in the sense of, I don't really I don't know. Maybe this is bad. I don't know, but I was never really single for that long. And I just, I had a lot of fun dating and I mean, it's a bittersweet thing. Dating is very bittersweet in the sense of like, I think dating is really fun, but it's also exhausting if you do it a lot. Oh, to freaking Shay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting over here experiencing this and I'm like one day up and the next day I'm down. It's, it's a rough process. That's for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a it's just an interesting experience. It was very interesting for me to go through that. And like I I mean, basically, I'm trying to think my first like real experience with dating was in high school and I had like my first boyfriend my junior year and we dated for not like a super long time, but six months, which I felt like at the time was kind of long for like a high school relationship. I feel like that is long for a high school relationship, like your kids, you know, Yeah. like at 25, you think about it differently, but I remember being 14 or 15 and I would think, oh my gosh, six months. You've been yeah. with her for six months. Yeah. Like that's a long time. You're celebrating like every month of yeah. like an anniversary. <laughs> Happy one month. Like I remember that. So, and you'd make a big I- deal about it. I'm so scared to have kids. I know. Right? <laughs> I'm and be like, so shut up and do not celebrate your one week anniversary. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So I started, I started dating. I mean, he, I, I think I was like 16 and that was like my first real boyfriend. And then I had another boyfriend my senior year and we were a little bit more like long-term, like in, we kind of broke up and then got back together and then broke up and got back together. It was kind of a weird situation, but, um, we dated for, I mean, pretty much a lot of senior year and then through after graduation, like through that summer and then, um, ended things after like a year ish and a half, maybe. Um, 
but I, so, and then after that, I mean, I like kind of just, I don't know, I would end a relationship with somebody and then it just seemed like a couple, I mean, maybe a couple months would go by and then I'd get into another relationship. And I don't know if that was like good or bad, but at the same time, I feel like I was really picky. And I mean, it may, it may sound like I was in a lot of relationships like back to back, but I feel like I was picky and I just, I knew what I was looking for. And so when I would find, I'd either like check boxes off and like, okay, I, you know, I did the whole Tinder thing and whatever, but I basically (laughs) like, (laughs) I mean, we all do. I like, that's just, we're in 2021. Like that's just, I mean, Fun fact. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this or if I even told you this already, but I've been banned from Tinder. How do you like banned? (laughs) Dude, I've tried to get an account back. I've tried to be sneaky about it and go like behind their backs and like create all these new emails. I got a new phone number. I tried to like re-sign up again. I can't. They've banned me. And I think I don't know specifically why, but my assumption would be the fact that I put on my bio something about the fact that like I can use a gun. So don't make me. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm pretty certain that's why. Like I don't, because I didn't do anything else wrong. Like, I didn't have half naked pictures. I didn't have anything inappropriate. I messaged people back. Like, I don't know what their community guidelines are. Like, does anyone actually read those? Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Who actually reads those? Read those. But when I was banned, I was confused. And I think that has to be why, but oh, yeah, I don't have an account and I can never get one back. Apparently. That is but. so funny. I didn't know you could, I mean, I guess I figured you probably could get banned from just about anything, but that's pretty funny that yeah, I mean, I figured if you were like a, a rude ass or something, you could probably get banned or if you <laughs> they think you're going to be like a serial me. killer, <laughs> like a Tinder serial killer. I think that's a thing. <laughs> so, I feel like, I feel like I could pull it off. I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Like nobody would expect it from you. <laughs> Anyways, sorry to interrupt, but I thought that that was kind oh, of a no, fun fact. Tinder is not my friend. Um, I am using currently other things other and yeah (laughs) that's fine um yeah I mean I don't know I'm trying to think where I just left off but basically yeah I mean my my season of singleness like I feel like was just in bits and pieces I I honestly did not go like ever since I started dating I didn't go like years without like a relationship or anything like that I just I liked being with somebody and I think it was not always in my best interest. I probably should have spent more time as a single person to like really find myself. But I think I just really liked being in relationships and I really liked dating. And so I just would always like, okay, this one's over, like on to the next. And like, that's a pretty toxic mindset to be in. But back then it was just, again, kind of all about me and like whatever I wanted. And so that was just, it's kind of, and at the time I did not, I thought I was just having fun and like, it was all great and fine and dandy, but like looking back, you know, I don't have like regrets or anything about it. Um, cause I don't really believe in that, but it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, that probably wasn't the most healthy way to live my life but you know you live and you learn I guess I feel like we all just go through that and I think part of this conversation that I wanted to have with you and why I feel like it's such an important conversation for people to talk about more especially like being you and I and I know that we can relate in this like we are both Christian we both believe in God we both know what is right we both know what we're supposed to do we both know how it should feel and how it should be and so I'm just curious from your perspective how you felt like when you were single like that fit into your single life like how did you balance being a quote-unquote good Christian and also dating and being single and having fun and maybe not experiencing like religious guilt yeah um I again like it's kind of an interesting situation because if you were to ask me what I believed back then, like I definitely had like a pretty strong moral compass. I was super like, I knew what the Bible said as far as like waiting until marriage and things like that. And so I, I was always like pretty strict on myself about that. And I just, that was always something that just really stuck with me. I was also absolutely terrified. I mean, we're going to just like, not to make this super abrupt, but like, I was terrified of the idea of sex. Like that just, 
absolutely freaked me out. The the thought of doing that, like I was so scared of it. So I think that probably helped in me like sticking to like that thought of like, okay, I want to wait, but, um, it's like one of those things where when I think back on my beliefs at the time, I would have probably thought like, okay, I'm a good Christian. Like I do things by the book. Like I try to be a good person. Well, that's not really how it works. And you know, the, the, I think harsh reality for some people that people don't always understand, but also it's a blessing. If you think about it is that you're not saved by your acts. Like you being a good person, isn't what gets you into heaven. Um, because we are all sinners. We're all by the book, bad people. I mean, we sin, we go against God's word, like deliberately and Jesus died on the cross so that like, we don't have to die. Like death is not, you know, death is basically the punishment for those sins. And because of what Jesus did, like, we don't have to suffer. We don't have right. to die. We don't have to fear death. And so yeah, we're free to live our lives and make those mistakes. And I know biblically speaking to like, it says that we are going to make those mistakes and no one can actually be perfect. And I think, especially with like premarital sex, there's this stigma around it. I feel like, especially as a woman, and there is a person in my life right now, and it's a girlfriend of mine. Um, and I feel like she will go out and she will do things. And I feel like it's almost instant that she'll come back home and we'll reach out to one another. And that guilt hits her to the point of like tears sometimes. And I always tell her, like, if that's the place that you're in, in your life right now, like, and you feel like it's heavy on your heart, you have to ask God to change that in your heart. And you have to make moves to better yourself, but you should not feel guilty for going out and doing something because he, he has taken that away. And I, I, feel like that's true Christianity, right? Is like not feeling guilty and like forgiving people and accepting people with all facets of their personality and all the things that they choose to do. And like, it's, I just think religious guilt is such a hard topic for people to talk about because it, it so exists. And I've even felt guilt from some of my friends before too. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that that's the Christian way to do it. I don't think your friends should make you feel guilty. Holding them accountable for certain things is fine. But as far as like a personal life and dating and sex and things like that, I don't know if that's anyone's business except for yours, God's and that other person's. Yeah. And, and you're hundred percent right in the sense of like people as Christians, like we have no right to judge others. Um, but they're, you know, at the same time, like, I think kind of going back to what I said about, like my beliefs back then were, okay, if you're a good person, like you'll get to heaven. Like this is all it is, is you just have to be a good person and and be a decent human being. And while that's great, that's not necessarily what is going to do it. And, and somebody I'll, I'm, I don't speak on it as well as like other people do, but you know, the other thing you don't want to do is one. Yeah. Don't hold, don't judge others because you, you yourself are not a perfect human being. Everybody has sinned, but you also don't want to do things in your life with, they call it like fire insurance with Christianity. And I think a lot of people believe like, well, Jesus died on the cross for me. He'll forgive me. Like I can do this sin because I know God will forgive me. And like, well, yes, in theory, like God forgives you, but, and I mean, he does like God forgives sin if you repent, but the whole meaning of repentance is you have to turn away from that sin. You can't just, you can't just go and, you know, have a bunch of premarital sex and just keep doing it. And uh, I mean, this could be anything. It could be lying. It could be stealing. It could be, you know, anything, any of the sins. And if you keep doing it with the just thought in the back of your head of like, well, I'm going to do this because God will forgive me. That's not, that's not a true way to live your life as a Christian either. You, because when you're truly saved, you turn away from those things and it changes you. It changes who you are as a person. And you no longer have a desire to do those things. Like, you know, there's always temptation, you know, and you might slip up and it might, that might happen. And that's when, you know, true forgiveness and true repentance comes into play, but you can't just go out and (laughs) live this really reckless life and say, well, 
I'm a Christian. God forgives me. Like all is fine. But also as Christians, you can't judge people for mistakes that they've made either. Like you, you know, I think I believe in helping people in love. I believe in holding people accountable. If you have friends that are, especially other believers, if you have you know, Christian friends and they're saying like, you know, they're doing all this stuff that, you know, they shouldn't be doing. I believe in holding them accountable. I don't believe in coming down and saying like, they're a terrible person and they're for sure. So my, my way of holding like my friends accountable is to encourage them to spend more time in the word. Right. And like to, like I was saying before, ask God to change your heart in those things. If it's something that you feel like is weighing heavily on you, or you are having a hard time moving away from that is like changing your heart, asking him to bring the right people into your life. Cause I think all of that matters. And then it's very, I mean, we are meant to be more Christ-like the more time we spend with Christ. And so it just kind of becomes something that happens. I think more naturally, the more you seek him, the more he seeks you kind of thing. And then I think everything else sort of aligns and comes into play naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it, it does. And that's, that's what's so, that's what I, I always tell like people that I, I would consider myself a lukewarm Christian back then because I, I, my beliefs were not truly probably where they should have been or should be. And I've grown a lot in my faith since then. And I think Tyler's been a huge part of that for me, but I mean, again, like I, I called myself a Christian. I was like, yep, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Like I'm a Christian, but the fruits that I was bearing and putting out there was not that of somebody who was in my opinion, like what it should have been, or like somebody who is truly trying to live more like Christ. Like that wasn't where my head was at. And that's not how I was actually behaving, but I would call myself a Christian all day long. And so as I've gotten older and as I've mellowed out a little bit and, and really grown in my faith and like spent more time in the word, like I've, I realized that about myself and I have that self-awareness to know like, okay, I wasn't, that's not how it should have been, but I've grown. And like, now my heart is a lot softer and I just feel like I have a much better understanding of like, okay, you know, we have to truly, I try to live out each and every day and everything that I do, like live it out for Christ and, and to, to, you know, grow the kingdom and to do things that are going to glorify God and not things for my own selfish desires that I have as a human being. Right. So I'm curious then how you feel about, I mean, I guess we kind of touched on like the religious guilt side of things, but how do you feel about some of the people that maybe combat what we're saying a little bit and maybe say like, you need to go out and you need to have fun and you need to experience some things and you need to have multiple partners or, you know, whatever the situation is to be maybe a better wife down the road or a better husband down the road or whatever the situation is. How do you feel about that concept and that thought being someone that used to be quote unquote lukewarm? Because I think that almost all of us go through that too. Like this period of like, I was raised Christian, right? Like my mom was not super diehard or anything. And she would invite me every Sunday to go. And sometimes I would go, sometimes I wouldn't go. I definitely felt like I believed, but it took me a really long time and me coming into my early twenties for me to kind of develop that, that faith and something that I, I mean, the older you get, I think you just think about it more, but, um, it's, it took me some time to get there. So I'm just curious kind of like what your thought is on all of that before you get to that point of like serious Christian. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think it would really depend who is saying it. Um, because somebody, there's a pastor I listened to that, you know, had reminded me that you can't expect non-believers to believe the same things you believe or have the same morals that you believe and you can't hold them to the same standard that you might hold yourself or other Christians to because they don't have that view, that like worldview that you have as a believer. Yeah. We, we believe a certain way and we yeah. believe certain things and I can't ex- it's like Jesus is like a driving car in your life is what mm-hmm. I always say. So like, if you aren't, if he's not behind the wheel, then you can't. Yeah. And I can't expect that of, so if a non-believer came up to me and said, 
you know, it's dumb that you believe like you shouldn't have multiple people. You got to test drive the car before you pick the one or whatever. Um, that makes sense to me. Like, of course, (laughs) of course you believe that because you're not, you're, you don't believe the same things that I believe. And like, that makes sense to me now, of course, I would hope that like someday you would, because I believe that there's light in Jesus and like, it's the most amazing, beautiful thing ever, but just very scratching the surface level. Like if you're not a believer, like I wouldn't expect you to believe. Now, if you are a believer, did you ever feel that though? Like that, that's, I guess what I'm wondering is, did you ever feel that in your own heart where like, maybe you did want to experience that, or you did want to have, or test drive the car before you buy it, quote unquote. hundred percent. I have went most of my life believing that I went most of my dating life, believing I'm just having fun. Like I, I kind of in the back of my mind was like, I'm dating to marry, but like, there was definitely a season that I was not dating to marry. I was just dating to go out and have fun. And I think there's, that's not wrong. Like it's fine to have fun and to go out and enjoy being single and enjoy your singleness. But like, it doesn't mean that that's not like a permission slip to go out and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to choose my words slightly carefully. I'm not trying to like offend anybody, but it's, it's not a permission slip to just go out and sleep around. Like that's just not in, again, in my own personal beliefs as a believer, that was never something I've, I felt like I could go out. I could have fun. I could date. I could be with friends, but it was never something that I, I felt that I wanted to do. I never really had a desire to go out and sleep around because I knew that God gives us purity and he's the way he sees us. And I wish more women could see themselves the way Jesus sees you. He sees you as this perfect, pure, holy vessel. Like that is your body. And it is just this beautiful thing. And he doesn't want you to be broken and hurt. And I, I just have a hard time believing that anybody that's going out and sleeping around with a whole bunch of people feels good. Like it, it's feels good for like a moment, but then how broken do you feel later on? Like how, how hurt do you feel after time? Like, or after they ghost you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I do. I, I agree with that concept too, that I think that's like one thing that sex is, it just makes things difficult, I think. And it's, it's meant to bring two people together. And so I think it's supposed to be complicated. It's supposed to be deep. It's supposed to be super meaningful. And I think when people do share that either too soon or with the wrong person, then I think it can complicate things so, so much. And that's why oftentimes I think you hear girls on one side of it more often than guys, um, say, you know, like he stopped talking to me. I don't really understand why, but like, just to be blunt. Right. Cause I don't really care about like offending people. I just yeah. don't, I think, <laughs> I, <laughs> sorry, that's just me. But, it, like, <laughs> I think that if like you, you choose to live like that, then you choose to live like that. And you, you kind of did that to yourself in a way, you know what I mean? And like, if you had not slept with him, then maybe you would not feel that way that you feel, or, or maybe there would be like a little bit more of a respect for yourself. Like when a guy goes to you or he stops talking to you, it becomes more about your compatibility instead of like about your body or how you look or how you smelled or anything else. Like, you know, cause women do struggle with all of that. And so that's kind of my thought on it is just like, if you, if you didn't introduce sex too soon, then you think, I think almost you can see past the cloud of judgment that is in dating a little bit better. And I think that's why you're supposed to wait and why you're supposed to hold out for someone special because you have to see, and you have to be able to not be clouded in the fact, like, am I actually compatible with this person? Does this person have the same beliefs as I do? Could we raise children together if that's what you guys want to do? Um, or whatever the situation is, you know, you have to be able to see that first. And then intimacy is supposed to be something like, like a cherry on top. Mm-hmm. For and a hundred percent, and it's it just it is so hard, and and in certain seasons of life, like you, you don't always see that. I mean, when I was younger and and in high school and things like that, I I definitely knew there were people in my class that were you know they were sleeping with other people. They were, whether it was a boyfriend or just you know sleeping around, and 
that was never really my thing. I, I had no desire to do it, but it's, it was so it's sad to think back because I remember having conversations with girls that basically would say like, well, maybe if I have sex with him, like he'll want me, like he'll want to be my boyfriend if I have sex with him. And wrong, it's so, by the way. Very, yeah, very, very wrong. wrong. It's so sad to think that like, you don't, you don't look at yourself as like this gem and you don't look at yourself the way that Jesus looks at you and thinks of you and to where he thinks you are just like the most amazing creation and you are beautiful and you are worthy and you are valuable. And if you don't, when you believe that about yourself, because Jesus says that about you, that's when it becomes easy to, to not fall into temptation. But when you go through a season where your self-worth is down and you don't feel like you are a prize or you are like, I mean, I don't know. I, Tyler kind of hates when I use that word, but (laughs) like, I don't know how else to say it. Like you are something to be sought after and something that is so beautiful and should be cherished within the covenant of marriage. Like it, it brings, you know, if your self-worth is down, like, of course, you're probably going to do things that eventually like you might come to regret, or you might look back on and say, wow, that was, I should not have done that. I wish I didn't do that. Like, I don't feel great about myself anymore. And it just, it might, it's like, it's, and it's just like anything, I mean, stealing or lying or whatever, like maybe you're doing it in that moment because it feels good. Like you feel like this is what I want. I don't want to have like the heartache right now and I'll deal with the repercussions later. But then later those come around and you're like, man, it would have been better to just tell the truth from the beginning. A great topic to talk about too, is that self-confidence and that security in yourself is such a huge part in not just religious beliefs, but I think everything in general, like I don't mean to put a stigma or make anyone feel bad when I say this at all. But I think in my previous years, personally, I think the years where I did feel like my lowest or my most heartbroken or whatever, you know, or the, the saying like to get over someone, you get under someone. Like, I think it's because your ego takes such a hit and your self-confidence takes such a hit when you're coming off like a breakup or you're in a low spot in your life. And that's why you're more easily susceptible to like, the devil coming in and encouraging you to do things like that. And I think that that's when we do all fall short, but I just think that that's such an interesting topic to go into too. Like where does that self-confidence in yourself come into play? And like, when does the Lord step in and kind of help you gain that self-confidence too? Cause I think for me, like it was such a weird thing. So like, I'll just kind of share my like coming into Christianity story. And I'd love to know yours too. Like, obviously we were both sort of raised that way, Mm -hmm. but so like growing up, like I was saying, my mom's Christian, like she wasn't like die hard, wasn't like anything, but we prayed before meals and we, we shared verses with each other. And she invited me to go to churches on Sunday. And, and sometimes I would go, sometimes I wouldn't as a teenager. And I always considered myself Christian, but I never like did anything. I didn't read. I didn't really go to church. I didn't really do any of that until I think honestly, this past year was kind of like this, this coming into my life where I was like, Whoa, I'm getting older. Like what's happening. I think that was definitely the biggest thing. And then like my ex-boyfriend, unfortunately his best friend. And I'm just going to preface this by saying like, I don't say this lightly. Like I hate this kid. (laughs) Like he's not my favorite person in the world. I could go my whole life with never speaking to him again and be a hundred percent. Okay. And his mom unfortunately passed away in a car accident. And for some reason that event in his life super triggered me. Like, and it wasn't anyone. I mean, I'd met her like once or twice, but I hadn't ever been close to her. Like I wasn't really sad by losing her. I was just really distraught with the idea of like, that could have been my mom. Like that could have been me. That could have been anything. And like, am I okay right now with myself? Am I, am I going to bed feeling safe and secure in my faith? Like, like, where do I fit into this? And I kid you not, when I say that I was under spiritual attack, Sarah, like I was under spiritual attack for like months. I went to bed thinking about death. I woke up crying. I was heartbroken. I was miserable. And I got to this point where I started talking to friends about it. Like, like, why am I feeling like this? What is this pull that I'm experiencing? And like, suddenly I had all these 
random people coming into my life that have this same belief in this, this feeling, my nail girl, you, I'm just coming into photography. You believe you become suddenly one of my good friends. My nail girl just happens to be one of my friends that invites me to a community church group that really helped me get on my feet. And just me even spending more time in community group and not committing myself fully to like reading or investing right away. I at first just started with like finding community, right? Like finding good people, finding good hearts, people that welcome you, make you feel safe. And then I started to go to church. And then after church, I started to naturally kind of read. And then after reading, I wanted to spend more time listening to podcasts and sermons and like And then I had more friends that became Christian. And like, then I started to develop my own faith. And after I developed it, all those feelings, that depression, that anxiety that I was feeling surrounding like death and losing people suddenly melted away from me. But it it took me, I mean, really trying and really seeking that out and, and wanting that too, I think is important. Like some people just like they, I think we all have that. It's literally built into us. The Bible says it's built into us to have a heart for God. And we are, we are meant to all have that pull at some point, although it comes into our lives differently. We all do. And so I just, I think that that's very interesting. And I'd love to know about like your kind of like coming to like Christianity and the Lord and like how it happened for you. And when do you feel like it got strong for you? Yeah. Um, I, And I mean, that's like a really powerful story too, because I feel like there's probably a lot of times that people go through seasons of you you fear death, like you, you question things. And even as a Christian, it's like death, you know, death is a scary concept, but you know, when you really understand the word and like the gospel and what that means and that you don't have to fear death, because if you believe like you will never have to face death, you get to live forever. Like that is life-changing. Um, but I grew up kind of the same way, I guess. Like I grew up in a house where we were Christian. Like we believed my mom would pray with us before we go to bed. Like, um, you know, we, I, I feel like my, and my grandma was like really a woman of faith and she would go to church. Um, I think pretty much every Sunday and she'd like try to get us to go, but, um, I mean, honestly, as kids, like we just didn't really have a desire to go. And, um, I think we just, it was never anything that was like forced on us or like, you know, we're going to go to church on Sundays. Like that just wasn't a thing, but I've for my whole life, I've always been a believer. Like I've always known who Jesus is, but I actually just heard somebody explain this like a week ago or something, but there's a difference between knowing who somebody is and, or like knowing of someone versus actually knowing someone. And that's probably the best way I could explain how my faith was growing up. And like, just who, who I was as an individual in my Christianity was like, I thought I knew Jesus. I love that. I'm going to share that. That's great. Yeah. Like I thought I knew Jesus and I, I just knew of him. I knew who he was. I knew what he did, but I don't think I really knew Jesus. Like, I don't think we had a relationship until, um, I got a little bit older and there's kind of like parts and sections to my testimony and I'll try to keep it like short, but I started experiencing health issues when I was a young kid and I was diagnosed with like four different autoimmune diseases when I was like eight years old. And at the time, like being a kid, I didn't really grasp the weight of that situation. I didn't quite realize like how bad it really was for myself. I just, I don't know. I think you're a kid. You're just naive to that. Um, even though I was going to doctors and hospitals a lot, I just, it seemed normal to me. Like I just kind of got used to it and whatever, but Um, there were nights where like my mom would come in and like sit next to my bed when I was like supposed to be sleeping, but I wasn't really. And I mean, she'd cry and like pray over me and just like, I think she thought like I was going to die or something. And I, it was just, that kind of woke me up and was like, oh my gosh, like maybe this is a lot more serious than I think it is. And I grew up like kind of around the same time that I got diagnosed, I had started riding horses and when I got diagnosed with all these things, it's, and they're like 
uh, things that affect like my bones, like I have arthritis and osteoporosis. And so as soon as I got those diagnoses, like my parents pulled me out of horseback riding lessons because they're like, Nope, like you're frail and brittle and bubble wrap you. Yeah. We're not taking a chance of you being on a horse. And that was really hard for me. And I feel like as a kid, I just really struggled with like, that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I was like pretty athletic before that, but I like quit all my other little sports that I was in to do horses and (laughs) me too. I was a crazy horse girl too. Yeah. And then to have that like ripped out from underneath me because of like my body, like I definitely struggled with that. Like, why God did you put horses on my heart? Like, why did you make this such a big desire? And then also give me these like health problems that make it to where I can't do that. And so I really struggled with that, but Um, as I got older and time went on, like I was on all kinds of different crazy medications and all kinds of different stuff. But, um, eventually I got into remission and even before that, I just started doing better. And it was right around like the end of middle school, early high school, when I was, I wasn't in remission yet, but I was just doing well on like the set of medications I was on. And I was begging my parents to like, let me ride horses again. And so finally, uh, after begging her and my, or them and my doctor, (laughs) she was like, all right, well, you can't keep her in bubble wrap forever. Like you might as well let her do what she wants to do. So I got back into horses. And then, I mean, literally like six months later, I was like, I want to buy my own horse. And so I bought my own horse, but, um, I mean, that's like a very short version of it, but I truly feel like, because after I bought my first horse and that was just something that I, at 14, like I bought him myself and like. I was so determined to do that. And that was something I'd wanted for so long. I feel like it was healing to me. And what helped bring me to be in remission was because I no longer had to worry about myself. I like was able to put everything onto this like animal that I had to take care of now, like this big animal that I'd have to go and care for and ride and like do things with. And I feel like that was just like a really healing thing for me. And so I feel like horses were almost like a guardian angel in a way. And they're, they're just like a huge part of my testimony. And they're it's funny you say that. Cause although my, like my coming to the Lord closer to him, at least wasn't much to do with horses. Like it's very ironic, the part that they've played in my life, my whole life and how I've always, it's always been a constant in mine too. And I completely second that I can completely relate to that. They've felt like a guardian angel for me too. And always kind of been like, another driving force in my life to just kind of like do the right things and stay true to who you are. For sure. And they're just, it's just, it's weird to really think about it. Cause again, like when you're in the moment, you don't think like that. You don't think that that's what's happening, but looking back, I mean, so getting my own horse, you know, that was a huge part. And I feel like that was really healing. I ended up getting into remission after high school. I started training horses And that eventually led me to, and I, and I mean, I won't even skip over that, but like after high school, I, I definitely went through a rough patch. I got into a relationship when I was 18 after high school and I completely fell in love with this guy. And I mean, he was like my first real love. It was, you know, after high school, I felt like I was in my first real adult relationship, completely head over heels in love, thought I was going to get married to this guy. And it was like earth shattering, heartbroken scenario. A year and a half later, we ended up cutting ties. And I mean, to this day, like, it's still, it's like really hard for me to think about because like, I even, you know, I, (laughs) I'm obviously like completely happy. And I, I love Tyler, but that's just one of those things. I feel like the reason why you shouldn't be dating a bunch of people and like experiencing that is God doesn't want you to be heartbroken. And I completely had my heart shattered when I was so young and so naive back then. And like, I feel like that, that piece always just has been there and it's always kind of stuck with me. And like, it just sucked that whole situation really sucked. And so that's just, that's really hard. And and that's, that just proves to me though, like why biblically, like God doesn't want you to go through that. He doesn't want you to have your heart broken. And, um, so I went through that like really tough situation, but eventually like it just part of my testimony is like, I'm training horses. I'm doing these things that I've always wanted to do. And horses again is what brought me to Tyler, who I'm now married to because he hired me to come train his horses out in Montana. And like, even though that ended up, (laughs) I broke my leg and it was quite the scenario, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's like horses led me to what I feel like was my healing and what brought me to, you know, now my husband, like 
that just always has been like a big part of my testimony and like coming to Jesus and seeing, just seeing how God has worked through, because there were so many times in my life where I could have been mad at God and I could have turned away from God. And I could have said, you know, why are you doing this to me? God, why give me these health issues? Well, now the way I see it is if God's using my story as a way that like, maybe I can help somebody else. Maybe I can say, yeah, I had these hardships. I had to go through all these like hospital visits and this really tough time, but like, this is why, like it brought me to do all these other things and it's led me to all these different avenues. And I just think that's like really cool to look back on. Cause you, I mean, you don't, like I said it before, but you don't see it you're, when you're like in the situation, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like the world is against you, but then you realize like it's all part of a bigger plan. Like God, God is leading you towards something better. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, I'll kind of go on like my own little rant right now too. But I, this last year, like I was telling you is kind of like my moment too with God. Yeah. And I met all these incredible people, right? Like I had like a community group of people that I super vibed with. And I had all these people suddenly that believed in God, like coworkers and like, just, I feel like random places. And I feel like at first I wasn't seeing people have the same belief as I did. And then they just kind of started to show up in my life. And then as a lot of people know, and I know, you know, cause you were one of the sole people that helped me out of the situation, which is crazy to look back on, like that you were such a huge part of it, but like, you know, that my ex shattered my world too. And then that, that was something that I don't even know who I was going through that. And I don't even know what mask I was wearing going through that. Cause I think I just got this like superhuman, like facade for a moment. And I almost like, although I was so emotional, I was almost like emotionless. Like it was a really weird experience for me to go through. And when I got out of that situation, I looked back on the last year And like, I used to work in physical therapy and I worked at this, this job. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I worked at it for two years. I met my friend, Ashley, who I super vibed with. Turns out she's a photographer. And then I found out like a couple days later, she was my neighbor. And then she's also Christian and she goes to living stones in Nevada, which is where like I was going, I was going to like the, the sparks one though, not like the Reno one. Um, but we just had like all this stuff in common. And I thought that was really bizarre that she was like my neighbor. And then the night that I found out everything about my ex, she happened to be having a house party with her husband and everybody from church just happened to be there and like saw how upset I was and prayed over me. And then like meeting you and Tyler and you guys helping me move out and like just everything and how it came into play with all of that. And looking back on it is wild. And then I went through a breakup. I meet another guy in Tahoe of all places who happens to be living in Arizona. And then I come down here. I don't fall in love with the guy at all, <laughs> at all, <laughs> not in love with the guy, but I, but I fell just to clarify, she's not in love with the guy, not in love, um, but I love this state. And now, now I'm living here. And like, to think about that, like, God knew that that had to happen. And God knew that I had to be put in that situation to probably leave him, unfortunately, because I knew that I wasn't happy in that relationship. And I also knew that he treated me terribly, but I didn't know how to leave. And I thought that that's almost like what I was accepting and what was okay for me at the time. And then like him just cheating on me and everything was such an easy way for me to be like, F you, (laughs) you know, and just like move on with my life. And now I'm following dreams and my business is growing. I've moved to another state. I've talked about it since I was 17, leaving home, like, and I've done it. And like, it's just, God is an incredible thing. And I think you have to look at him and you have to see. And I think that was a huge part of my faith journey too, was noticing love above all else, like love with friends, love with family, love with other people in general, and like kindness and noticing those things and really noticing the good things in people, I think really helps you come to God and question why we're on earth and why we have all these different dreams and different areas of life where we succeed. It's because we all are supposed to have a voice and it's supposed to drive us, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's, it's one of those things where I think a lot of people who are struggling with having faith or, or truly believing it's, Uh, something a lot of people come to is 
why do bad things happen? You know, if there's this good God and he does all these great things, like why does cancer exist and why do all these bad things happen to good people? And I, you know, I don't have the answers to everything and nobody ever is going to like, that's, you know, one day, like maybe we'll know when we get to finally like be in the kingdom. Like maybe that's a question I'll get to ask, but you know, there's things that I'll never truly know, but that's one where faith comes in. And two, it's one of those things where obviously when bad things are happening, you don't see it. But if, if everything in your life was perfect all the time and nothing bad ever happened to you, you'd probably never be a believer because there would be nothing for you to hope for or desire for. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things, just my own personal look on it is like, if, I think sometimes like things have happened in my life because, you know, maybe God had put me through a test on something to strengthen my faith. Because if, again, if I had never gone through any hardships, I probably would never have turned to God. I probably never would have looked at him and been like, I can't do this on my own. Like I need you. That probably never would have happened because I would have thought everything's fine and dandy. Like, I don't need you. I I got this on my own. Um, so I think sometimes, at least for me again, like, I don't, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, but for me, it always felt like maybe I'm being put through this as a way to let go, like let go of my own beliefs and my own thoughts and what I feel is right. And I need to just like hit, hit my knees and, and look to him and Yeah. yeah. And trust that he has a plan and like, this is all for something greater and then take moves towards him. And, and not after what I want, because as humans, we have our own desires. We have our own things that we want. We have temptations that we want, but we have to trust that the life that God has planned out for us and the things that he has said, he want, how he wants us to live our lives. It's that way for a reason. And if we follow that, I think you'll see really amazing things change in your life, you know, in all aspects of it. Yeah, I agree with that too. So I, I think that's like a great place to finish off too. Like, uh, just for fun, like say someone's listening to us right now and they're kind of like, you know what, Sarah, Jackie, like, I don't really think I believe, or maybe they don't know quite where they stand yet, or maybe they grew up something that wasn't Christian or in general, what's like a good general thing that you might say to some of those people that maybe haven't had that like testimony that we have, or haven't had that experience that we have, or haven't grown up the same that we have, you know, like, what would you say to those people? What would you encourage them as far as like Christianity and faith, like, what would you say? I would say come to church with me on Sunday morning. And (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, I really would like, seriously, I, I, no pressure would invite anybody to come and just see how you feel about it. And, and just experience it. Um, it might feel something great to say too, is I think that a lot of people are afraid to go alone, but the great and beautiful thing about Christianity. And I've learned this too. And like I said, it took me kind of going through my own stuff, but you can totally reach out to random people and say, you know what? I see that you believe in God. Like, can we go together? Cause yeah. like nine times out of 10, no Christian is going to look at you and be like, no, you're not going to go to church with me. Like we're all, we're all supposed to be welcoming and warm and invite you guys to come with us. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where like, I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, if anybody actually wants to come, you can <laughs> totally come with me. I'm not, yeah, that's not like a joke, but I understand that that's obviously like a hard thing to do. And probably not everybody's first reaction is like, yeah, I'll just go there. Cause you know, if you're not a believer, if you struggle with it, like maybe you have been traumatized by church in the past. And the beautiful thing about Christianity is it's not Christianity is not intended to be a religion. It's intended to be a relationship. Um, and I think a lot of people, that's where the kind of the negative mindset around Christianity comes from is people think like, oh, it's a religion. You have to live by this book. There's all these rules. It's this, 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 and this. When in reality, like it's, it's not about that. It's not about, you know, being just doing everything by the book and checking off boxes. It's about the relationship that you have with Jesus and like knowing that, he loves you and he's there for you and he's there to catch you when you fall. All you have to do is say, I surrender. Like yeah. you, I, I'm all yours. Like what do with me, what you will. And, and you have to trust. And it's, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Like if you're somebody that's curious or you're struggling in faith, or you just aren't really sure what to think, 
Um, I mean, there's, there's so many resources. You can talk to pastors, you can go to churches and just sit in the back and just see what you think. You can watch sermons online. Um, I mean, there's, there's really so many avenues you could take to have maybe questions answered. It just kind of depends like where you're at with that journey, like what you're struggling with, um, that would kind of determine like what I would say to do next. But, um, it's, it's just one of those things where it's not going to happen overnight. And I feel like the more you just are open to it and the more you are just open to having your heart changed, the more God is just going to like creep in and creep in and creep in. And like, eventually, you know, hopefully you can see the light. (laughs) Yeah. I would agree with that too. And I would love to say too, like for some of the people that maybe are a little bit more reluctant to go to church or they have this like difference or it's maybe it's just going to take a little bit of time for them to get there. I would just like to point out, like, like I was kind of already saying is to just take a moment sometimes and sort of meditate on the fact that your life has come together in a way to get you where you are right now. And I think noticing all the beautiful and the positive things in life and really just noticing love and like your good health and your good friends. And if you do have a partner or a spouse, like a, really appreciating them and noticing the part that they play in your life and like how weird, just think of how weird it is that we all just happen to coincide on this planet and everything just happens to work. Like really think about it. That, I mean, the big bang can, can explain a lot, but what they can't, no one can explain is love and kindness and the way that we all treat each other. And that was a huge coming to Jesus for me is just noticing and like experiencing real emotion and real feeling and sitting down and thinking about that and wondering why that's here. And then taking that next step to like, like, like you were saying, listen to podcasts or listen to sermons, a couple of my favorites. And I'd love to hear a couple of yours just so we can share it with others. Is like one podcast that I listen to probably on a daily basis. It's called Jesus is real. And Daniel Fusco, um, does it. And this is so silly, but I was literally going through that period in my life and I researched podcasts and that was the first one to come up. And it's so bizarre to me because I was literally like, is Jesus real? And like, that was the podcast that came up for me. And I listen to Daniel Fusco all the time. He's hilarious. He's like a little bit younger. He has dreads. He's really cool. Um, and then I also love to listen to, um, uh, Stephen Furtick, Furtick. I never know how to pronounce his last name, but I love him. I love how hype he gets. That's like when I'm, <laughs> when I need a good Sunday sermon, that's a super good one for me. And I absolutely love listening to him and enjoying his, his is like more of a video experience for me where maybe Daniel Fusco is more of like a listen into the podcast in the car kind of guy, um, much more chill, but they're two of my favorites. They're a little bit younger. They, I feel like they really relate to us younger crowd and just even starting small and starting out educating yourself with podcasts is a great way to go and doesn't feel so intimidating. And then do you have any like people that you super love or like things that people could check out? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's definitely like pastors that I follow and that I think are just really well at speaking and they explain things really, really well. Um, but I think it's important to note too, that like you never take everybody, like you shouldn't put your whole, like your faith isn't based on like just one pastor or, you know, it's like, it's what they're teaching. And like, you have to have that discernment, Mm -hmm. which Tyler's really good at discernment. I am he, that is like his godly gift. I don't feel like I have as much discernment as he does, but he's good at just, he can like hear something and know like, yeah, that's biblical or like hear like a pastor say something and be like, "Mm, that's not quite right. Um, so he's good at at learning that. And I feel like I've picked up things from him. So as I'm like listening to people preach, you know, you just have to try. And if you're new to your faith, you're probably not going to know the difference, but, um, you just, you kind of learn over time, like which pastors you really with, like what they're teaching. If you feel like, yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. Like that's biblical, but some of my favorites are, um, Gosh, I'm going to butcher his name, but his name is JP P- Paluka. <laughs> I honestly doubt that. I was like, I 
was wondering if I could even help you. And I was listening. I don't know how to say his name, but he hosts the becoming something podcast. So just look that up. The becoming something podcast. Um, it's him and like two other people. They're based out of Waco, Texas. And I really on your podcast and I started to listen to them. They're, they're really good. Sometimes they're pretty funny too. I actually very much love listening to them. They're great. Their, Their whole like niche is very focused on dating and like young adults. And so if you're like in that season of your life, I think that's really important. I mean, even as somebody who's married, I still think it's just like useful information to even just be better within marriage. But like, it just, I feel I think it's really healing with relationships. It's helpful with like how to maybe proceed in dating. And it honestly gave me like a completely different perspective on dating. And again, take it with a grain of salt. Like you don't have to believe that just because he says it, like that's how it is. And that's Right. But it just, it gives you something to think about. So that's, that's a really good one. There's another podcast called daily grace. That's two women that host it. And, um, I think that's like a really, they're not like super long episodes, but they just talk about different topics. And so I think for women, like, it's really nice to have like that female, um, Christian outlook, you know, on things. Um, there's another one. I want to say it's like the daily Christian podcast or something like that. Um, that's pretty good. And they kind of break down the Bible in different chunks. So, um, there's a lot out there. I mean, you could literally just type in like Christian podcasts and there's all kinds of ones that you can check out. I don't think I mentioned the Stephen uh, Furtick one that I was mentioning. I, I, I I really am not a fan of his last name. I I should probably look up, (laughs) but but his, he's with Elevation Church and I don't know exactly what his podcast name is, but I think it, he just like uploads his sermons onto Elevation Church, but just in case anyone was interested in like checking that out and then, yeah, that's great, Sarah. I love that. And then, um, tell everybody where they can like find you and follow you and all that stuff. Yeah. So I am on Instagram at Mrs. Sarah Elrod, or if you want to follow the podcast, it's at branded cowgirl podcast. Um, I am on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm pretty much everywhere. So Sarah Elrod and you'll probably find me. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much for talking with me about all of this today. I know this was kind of like a deep conversation, but I felt like it was on my heart to have this conversation and to put it out there. And I hope that you kind of enjoyed talking about it too. For sure. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. To stay up to date on the show, give input, ask questions, and more, make sure to join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can also follow us on Instagram and check out all of the show notes by going to sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. That's sarahelrodblog.com slash brandedcowgirlpodcast. And if you have not yet, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that this show can continue to grow and get into the ears of more Western creatives just like you. All right, y'all, I will see you in the next one.